It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. The Marlins drop a series against the Washington Nationals. We have not said that for a long time. Could that be the final nail in the 2023 season for the Marlins? They sit three games back in the wild card right now. Also, we're going to look ahead to some potential offseason moves. And as well, another weekend of chaos in the bullpen. The Marlins potentially now have a new closer. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you're listening to the pod, hit subscribe, leave a review. This is your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. It is Monday's episode, the 28th of August. The Marlins are three games back in the wild card hunt right now, but it is the end of August. They're still in the mix. There is a YouTube channel. Of course, guys, head on over there, hit subscribe. Also on the YouTube channel, if you are watching, you will see no guest. Monday, no guest. Where is Sean Barrett? I hear everyone ask. Rightly so. Sean Barrett, not feeling too good. Uh, a dental issue, tooth issue. So wasn't available today. Hopes to be back later in the week. Sean, I know you'll be listening. Hope you're doing well, brother, and uh, hope to see you soon. So that means it is a solo pod. And this is dangerous. This could be a dangerous solo pod because there's a lot. There's a lot going on here. And I'm not going to have the ability to bounce ideas off and take a breath and moments to kind of sit back and pause, think about things. So this episode could go in multiple directions. Who knows? But the Marlins lose the series to the Washington Nationals. Not optimal. It felt like they needed to at least win this series. And of course, many would be thinking this needs to be a sweep, et cetera, et cetera. And Marlins it felt like they haven't lost to the Nationals since like 2021 or something. So they've been on a real tear. But the Nats came into this hot. They came into this series hot, which was, you know, it's all about timings, really, with some of these games where, like, if you get them at the right time, you know, but I would say for the Nats, this was probably the wrong time uh, to face them in some ways. Um, and they've been improving. They've been improving as a club over the year. Um, they've obviously, they made they, they, they made some trades at the deadline, moving some of the guys. And, you know, clearly they've um, got some production out of the other guys, too. So, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, we're rebuilding club at this point. Shouldn't be taken for granted, clearly. But 
you know, you go, you know, you look into uh, the first game and just, you know, it was more of the same for the Marlins, right? Just can't get anything going against the starting pitching. It's been the story for what seems like over a week now. They just can't get any run production going early in the game. They did have a four-run rally in the in the seventh inning in that game, but it wasn't enough. The Nats end up taking it 7-4. Game two, unfortunately, is where, you know, you, you look back and you think, boy, oh boy, that one got away. And that kind of links into what we'll talk about later on with the closer situation. But Yuri Perez got the start, and Yuri Perez was absolutely sensational, no doubt. But the Marlins not being able to win that game, uh, they went into the ninth with a lead, with a one-run lead, and they couldn't get it done. Sunday's game, a bullpen game, effectively. And it was another one-run game, but it was a one-run dub to the Marlins. And so overall, they came out of it. Two close games uh, and another game that they just couldn't get the offense going. So disappointing for the Marlins. And right now, as we sit here uh, before any play and any action on Monday, Marlins are off today. But, you know, it's it's a three games back in the wild card. Um, you know, the teams in, in the positions right now, the Phillies, they have a three-and-a-half game lead over everyone else in the wildcard hunt. They look to probably be locks, I would say. Then you've got the Cubs uh, Cubs, and then the Diamondbacks, who, who've caught fire as well recently. The Cubs have been hot you know, all the second half, really, kept that momentum rolling. The Giants uh, are having similar struggles to the Marlins, I have to say, uh, and then the Reds, who are kind of like middling at this point as well. So those clubs, you know, there's six teams going for three spots. In reality, I think the Phillies are definitely a lock to get in. So there's five clubs looking to get into two. You know, the Marlins at this point, their their chances, their probability of making the postseason are at their, probably their lowest they've been since late April, early May, um, I'd say. And so things have started to look a little bit rockier for the Marlins. I mean, they've looked rocky since the second half started, really. They haven't been able to really get anything going at all. And there's been multiple reasons why. When we look back, the offense just generally, uh, other than that absolute blow up against Tony Gonsolin, where I you know, started comping them with the Braves offense, apart from that, the offense has just kind of struggled, particularly against the starting pitching. Not quite sure why. Luis Arise has gone cold for his, you know, for, for his standards. All of a sudden, now that batting title, you know, it looks like there is actually a race on Freddie Freeman has surged. So we'll see if Arise can actually end up getting it done. But... You know, Skip's been moving Arise around in this order a little bit. They're trying to work out where to play him. You know, where does he where does it best fit? I think what we've seen with Arias, to be honest with you, has been, you know, if he's if he's at the top of the order, feels like the right spot for him. But, you know, overall it's just it's it has been the trickiest period for him with the Marlins and maybe in his career. So, you know, this offense has gone through Arias and it's gone through Soler all season long. Soler is doing his thing right now. I'm going to talk about Soler um, just in a second because uh, Craig Mish um, and Barry Jackson dropping an article today. Some potential hope around the Soler extension. I'm going to talk about that. But just briefly finishing up on Lewis Arias, the fact that he's gone cold, the Marlins are moving him around the slots, trying to get something going. But fundamentally, this offense um, hasn't been good enough the last you know week, 10 days, whatever it might be. Um, linked into that as well, the games where they have had chances to win there's been some problems in the ninth inning as well. Um, David Robertson has just been a complete disaster, to be honest with you, in Miami. Um, looks like he's been moved out of that role. Uh, I, I said it last week. It, it's, it wouldn't stun me if uh, he's not just out of the role, but out of Miami before the season even ends. If things start to kind of tail away a bit here, I don't know. But that's been a bad one. We're going to talk about the closer update um, you know, a bit later in the show. So let's kind of lean into Hoy Soler. 
Uh, again, this is kind of off the back of a Craig Mish, Barry Jackson article in the Herald. Go and hit subscribe and get yourself into that if uh, if you aren't already. As always, tons of news, notes, nuggets in there from Craig and Barry, always doing their thing. Um, we're at that point where we're thinking about Hoy Soler. We've been at that point for some time. Soler has just been on an unbelievable tear. 35 home runs now for Hoy Soler. Another home run yesterday, big home run. In effect, game, it was a go-ahead, game-winning, two-run shot. The Marlins offense did nothing after that either, but... They just about hung on with the bullpen game. But Jorge Soler has been absolutely incredible. He has been everything that Marlins wanted. The way this contract played out was if Soler caught fire or was anything above average in in 23, then it was always likely he was going to be opting out of that situation. So where do we stand on the Soler contract situation? The thing that Craig talked about is that there has been some preliminary engagement I would say there's also interest from Soler to remain in Miami, you know, rightly so. Like it's one of those uh, overall, I would say just this kind of feels a bit like the Starling Marte situation. And I think that's probably how this one will play out once we kind of get into the off season where Starling Marte as a Marlin, I think it was pretty clear that he was enjoying the Miami lifestyle. The team was doing well. He was performing well. And I think he wanted to stay. For whatever re- reason, the Marlins left it a, a little bit late in terms of contract extension conversations while he was with the club. Kim then swung a stunning deal to go and get Jesus Lazardo, you know, as, for, for Starling Marte. They then had the opportunity then to go and try and re-sign or sign him as a free agent. And by all accounts, they put forward a decent offer, a good offer, more than... Probably if they put that offer forward during the season, then he may well have already he may well have signed that extension when with the club. So I think that's another interesting point that we'll kind of circle back to. But for me, there's a lot of parallels here with Soler and Marte. Both guys are performing well. Both guys are like in being in Miami, and the fit feels good. Um, you know, both guys as well, young families as well. So you know, you like to kind of get settled, and you know, if, if you if, you know. If your kids are enjoying the environment in the area, then you know that that kind of potentially plays into this. So, where does this end up with Hoysala? How does it? How are the parallels here? In my opinion, what will happen? Well, I think we've seen the same where the Marlins maybe haven't been quick enough to get on the front foot to maybe lock Soler into anything into next year. They've left it late. Has any? Has there been any kind of formal? extension offer put to him. I don't think so. That's my read of the situation here is there's the Marlins are the kind of signaling interest and boy, oh boy. I mean, how could they not be interested? Every club's going to be interested and that's going to be the problem for the Marlins um, come the off season. They're signaling intent, let's say. Soler may be backwards signaling intent. It's exactly what Starling Marte did too. Hey, I like it here. I'd like to have some extension conversations, but I haven't had any offers, no offers. And I think it feels like we're in a similar spot here with Soler and the Marlins. So how's this going to play out? It's going to play out like this, in my opinion. Come to the offseason, Soler's gone past 40 home runs. Um, not quite a career year for Hoy Soler, but in terms of home runs anyway, but he surpasses 40 home runs, declines his player option. The Marlins will submit the qualifying offer to Hoy Soler, and equally, they will put forward, in my opinion, some sort of con- Contract offer as well, some extension offer to Hoy Soler. In my opinion, 
Soler will reject the qualifying offer. He will also go and test free agency more generally, outside of the window of just negotiating with the Marlins, etc. Then the Marlins are in a bidding war with every other club for Jorge Soler. They may end up putting forward what looks to be a good deal. However, another club, an unnamed club, whoever that may be, will end up gazumping the Marlins. Thus, very much like what the New York Mets did for Starling Marte, Soler then makes the right call for him, his family, etc., etc., and the Marlins are left without 40 home, well, they need to replace 40 home runs somehow, and all-star level production from the DH spot, right field, etc., etc. That's how I see it playing out. I see it playing out very, very similar to how the Starling Marte situation played out. Signal interest, try to get the best deal possible, test the market, he signs elsewhere. The one difference here is that you know, there's no trade in play, but there is a comp pick available should he decline the qualifying offer. Likely maybe a second rounder. Um, you know, We'll see how it goes in terms of the contract he, he signs. So that's how I see it going with Jorge Soler, and I think it's going to be a big blow for the Marlins heading into next year. However, we have to be so careful with these types of deals for these types of players where you just don't want to overcommit yourself. You really don't. And the Marlins as well, they're starting to get more expensive. You know, the pitching staff starting to get more expensive. Arise is getting more expensive. Jazz will start to get more expensive. Like this younger core, this young cheap core, as well as Sandy, is, is going to continue to get more expensive. Plus, you've then still got the issue with Abacel Garcia. They'll need to find a way to solve that one too. So tough one. It's a tough situation. The Marlins have got absolutely what they wanted out of Jorge Soler. In the year that they wanted it to, right? It's been two years. Last year, things, you know, from an injury perspective, they couldn't keep Soler or he couldn't stay on the field and they missed out on a big level of production there. However, in this season, in the year that the Marlins have been in it, they've had a full run from Hoy Soler and the Marlins will look back and go, that was a good free agent signing, no doubt about it. However, I think they've been a little bit too slow to engage when it's been clear that he's been opting out pretty much since the start of the year to be honest with you, too slow to engage if indeed they want to keep him. And that, I think, will lead to a situation where he ends up signing a, a deal that the Marlins would never meet or never match, rightly or wrongly. That might be, you know, it's, it's probably going to be for the best that they don't, but rather frustrating that they couldn't maybe get in, you know, in front of this one, look to get a deal done earlier. You know, he likes the area, we like you, let's commit to each other, you know, earlier on in the season. Wasn't to be. Um, we're going to talk about Jazz Chisholm Jr. as well and his position heading into the offseason and beyond. Also, talking about the closer situation. I also want to touch on Yuri Perez, who I believe is reaching his innings limit. And so I think there may only be two more starts remaining for Yuri Perez in 2023, irrespective of the Marlins' wild card hunt. But uh, before we do that, guys, this episode is brought to you by good friends over at Dave. Yes, sir. So let's get the sexy graphics up firstly. Um, this is where I need a trusty assistant. There you go. Got Dave fired up. Um, and guys, listen, uh, Dave is, is, is a banking app that's leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you can get up to 500 bucks in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. Extra cash gives you more money to buy groceries. Please fill your tank, finally get your car repaired, or catch up on bills without having to wait for your next paycheck. You can even build credit when you settle up on time. Millions of people 
have already downloaded the Dave app to make their finances easier. So if you're in a pinch, get the help you need by downloading Dave. You can download Dave today at dave.com slash MLB. That's dave.com slash MLB. You can get up to 500 bucks in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash MLB. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, guys. So thanks for joining me here. Peter Pratt on Monday's episode of Locked on Marlins. Uh, the wildcard hopes, I think, are fading. They're at their lowest percentage for many, many months. This team was 14 games over 500, currently sitting one game over 500 at this point, but three games back in the wildcard race. Soler and the Marlins have mutual interest in an extension. But how does it play out? In my opinion, I don't think Hoy Soler will be with the Miami Marlins in 2024. I think the Marlins will have a compensatory pick as part of that, but I don't believe they will have Hoy Soler and they will need to find a way to replace at least 40 home, home runs worth of production. So the other interesting topic uh, in this article from, from Craig Mish, Barry Jackson, Jazz Chisholm Jr. What will his position be moving forwards? This has been something that's was kind of in my mind, has been in my mind for some time, and almost Jazz kind of laid out the blueprint to this when the decision or the announcement was made. Jazz wants to play in the infield, in my opinion. He wants to play shortstop. Um, Do the Marlins think he can? Not sure. But Jazz decided to put forward the ability to go and play center field. And we have to sit back and say that Jazz Chisholm Jr. in center field has been a success. He has been above average at center field. So the Marlins now have a conundrum where if they move Jazz back to the infield, then what happens at center field? What are the other options there? And there's a few of those options. Um, So we'll wait to see. Kim Ang, though, talking about it, saying it's like it's undecided at this point. Maybe a coin flip type of situation here for Jazz Chisholm Jr. Joey Wendell, as we know, pending free agent. The other interesting topic around Joey Wendell is, does he see the end of this season with the Marlins? Do they maybe look to make a move with Joey Wendell just like more generally? DFA Joey Wendell at this point to maybe get someone else up like and ride a, ride a stick maybe? They could do. I'd be surprised if they did. I think you know it's pretty clear that Joey Wendell defensively has been good. Clubhouse is good. Just offensively, it's been, it was really cold bit of a hot hot spike and then it's really cooled off ever since so you know i can understand people thinking in that way but frankly you know i don't think there's anyone at triple a that we need to see that we have to see at shortstop in my opinion if i was going to think about it you have to think about next season uh, you know and what what do you have in jacob amaya for example and would there be any difference right now in jacob amaya 
or Joey Wendell? Defensively, no. Offensively, probably no either. And so do you maybe consider pulling the trigger and doing something different at shortstop, getting Jacob Amaya up right now to take Wendell's place? I don't know. We'll wait to see. We'll wait to see how this 28th, you know, the, the roster is going to be expanded from the, the 1st of September. You know, a lot of people thinking about Xavier Edwards for obvious reasons, maybe Dane Myers for obvious reasons. Um, I do wonder maybe Jacob Amaya maybe comes up and, and, and has a go. He's definitely been cold with the bat since he came up to the big leagues. But yeah, I, I'm intrigued to see the way they play this out. But for me, with with the Marlins, you know, you would love for them to get some real offensive production out of shortstop. And I, the only way to do that, in my opinion, at this point, is to put Jazz back there at shortstop. So what I've seen with Jazz and his development in center field <clears throat> in a, such a short space of time is Jazz can do anything he wants uh, defensively on a baseball field. Some will point to the historic, you know, oh, well, his, you know, his early his early time at shortstop at the big league level was below average, et cetera, et cetera. The same was true for its second base. And then as he was given more time, he became above average at second base. The same at center field. Started slow, learned the position, above average. I think the same is absolutely true for shortstop. I think Jazz Chisholm Jr. could be an absolute stud defensively at shortstop if given the opportunity and the playing time there. I've no doubt about it. I think Jazz Chisholm is a freak athlete and he could basically do anything he wants at an above average level. That's just my opinion. I think there's a really strong chance that Jazz Chisholm Jr. ends up back at shortstop for the Marlins in 24. And then they look to try to find ways to solve the outfield. We'll wait to see what those are. Um, let's talk about our good friends over at... Hold on. Where are we going next with the ads? We are going to Sleeper. Let's get Sleeper up now. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the closer and Yuri Perez as well. So tons to get into. Stick with us here, guys, on Locked on Marlins. Uh, but this episode is also brought to you by our good friends over at Sleeper. And if you want the chance to win more money with less picks, head to Sleeper. It's the number one sports app where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. If you think Hoy Soler is going to hit a bomb in tomorrow's game against the Rays, well, I mean, who's betting against that? Um, but for, with Sleeper, you can swing for the fences with up to 100-time payouts. All you have to do is to choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on the stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big time. Yes, sir. All you have to do is use the promo code Locked On. Get up to 100 bucks matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. You can check out Sleeper today. All right, guys. Final segment here on, on Locked on Marlins. Monday's episode, the 28th of August. With me, Peter Pratt, flying solo on a Monday. Sean Barrett will be back in the house uh, later in the week. I am sure of that one. Um, we've talked about the hopes fading thus far at the wild card, and also what the pathway is to a Hoy Soler extension or not. Equally, what does the future hold for Jazz Chisholm Jr. positionally, defensively? Uh, I think there's a really strong chance that Jazz will be back at shortstop for 2024. Over the weekend, we had some big news. Closer, the closer situation has continued to be fluid. And it's fluid because the Marlins traded for David Robertson at the time. And on the face of it, many thought this was a really nice move from the Marlins. They went and got the probably most the best right-handed available closer let's say that was that was available in the trade market at that point the rental anyway they went and got him from the Mets the Mets out of it David Robertson had to step, in, step into that closer role because uh, Edwin Diaz going down for the whole year 
and he performed well. Let's just call it what it is. David Robertson with the Marlins has not worked. It has not worked to such a degree where David Robertson is already removed from the closing role. There's been some red flags of Robertson, uh, in my opinion. I mean, I haven't really had a ton of time to get to know him and et cetera. It's really hard because every time you hear from David Robertson, it's after a blown save and he's got microphones in his face. The fact that we've had, what, three, four of those press conferences in a short space of time is a signal in itself that things are not going well for Robertson. Um, and it's just been, I just haven't liked the tone. I don't like the vibes he gives off. I don't like the personality that he gives off. Like, you know, I get it. He's frustrated, but equally, you know, I, I'm just not, I've not, never liked what I've seen from him. And on the field, it's been poor, very poor. And frankly, you know, the, the Marlins may have a decision to make. I think they will have a decision to make in terms of whether Robertson remains with the Marlins the rest of the way. Other teams are doing it. We've already seen De Jong go to the Blue Jays, DF8. We've also seen uh, Noah Syndergaard traded. He's already DF8. Like clubs, they make these moves. If they're not working, done. This David Robertson situation is not working. What do the Marlins do? What can they do? Uh, uh, you know, is it that is is it that nuclear at this point where they're considering DFAing David Robertson? I haven't heard anyone say that. The only person I have is me. So there's <laughs> a bit of an echo chamber in here, but I wouldn't rule it out. It hasn't worked. You know, the Marlins aren't connected to David Robertson moving forwards. The prospects are gone. It's a sunken cost with the trade anyway. If it isn't working and you can't trust him, then for me, you've got to strongly consider DFAing him and getting up guys that you can trust. Who would they be? A way to see, but, you know, Edward Cabrera could be an option. There's a few, you know, no-name guys in many ways that can come up and try to give you innings. And frankly, you know, when you look at the Marlins' uh, pitching and, and bullpen usage throughout the year, you know, some of the, the, the best performers have been Brian Hoeing and George Soriano. You wouldn't have had that slated going into the season, for sure. So I trust the Marlins to, you know, if they make this call and go in a different direction away from Robertson, just call it for you know what it is. It hasn't worked. Maybe the culture fit isn't quite right. Maybe he's just not overly happy about being in Miami. You know, wanted to be with a family in New York, et cetera, et cetera. And call it what it is. Move on. Final one, and this kind of links into Edward Cabrera, so I wanted to kind of segue in. But Yuri Perez, in my opinion, is reaching his potential innings limit for 2023. <clears throat> he's already at 110. <coughs> excuse me. 110 and two-thirds, I believe, uh, exactly for the year. We've heard 120 as the number kind of mooted around as like the top limit. The, the Marlins obviously shut him down for a period, built him back up, got him straight back in. I mean, what we've seen from Yuri Perez has been unbelievable. The last two starts in particular, unbelievable. This, this kid is absolutely incredible. You forget he's 20 and he's doing this. It is insane. But, you know, the Marlins have to be cautious. They, no, they don't have to be. They are being cautious with Yuri Perez. And if he's got 120 innings max, he's got two starts left, basically. Those starts will be against the, uh, the Nats next time around, the weekend series, and against the Dodgers. I think that'll be it for Rui Perez. I think if he shut down at that point, and it's then when the Marlins then hope to have Johnny Cueto back, which they should, and also I think Edward Cabrera will be given the opportunity to come in and replace Yuri Perez in the rotation, and he'd be given you know, the pat on the back and said, Eddie, we need you. 
for the run in here and also potentially a postseason run. So there's a big carrot available there for Edward Cabrera. There really is. You know, it's not gone the way he's wanted this year, but he's going to be pitching meaningful innings for the Marlins as they look to try and secure a wildcard spot. Oh, pardon me. All right, guys, that's going to wrap us up, though, here on Monday's episode of Lockdown Marlins. Thanks for joining me and for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. Uh, the Marlins have an off day today, so hope you've enjoyed this one. Uh, they are back in action tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Rays. Two-game series, as they always seem to be against the Rays, and Sandy Alcantara will be getting the ball. So we're going to dig into that and the switch in the rotation all on, today, on tomorrow's show. I'll see you then. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.